0: The following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God.
1: We'll open your Bibles, if you would, now to the book of Jonah. 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 I'm on. And if you're having issues with the microphone, you can just leave that one on. We'll be all right. Jonah, chapter number one. Look with me, if you would, please, at the final verse of chapter one, and we're going to get into chapter two through the conclusion of the chapter. Stand with me, if you would, for the reading of the Word of God. Starting in verse number 17, the Word of the Lord says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by the reason of mine affliction to the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves co- passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward the holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth uh, closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, as many of you already know, it is it is not uncommon to come across the chapter and verse divisions that are not necessarily in correct order. Uh, I personally believe verse 17 of chapter 1 rem- uh, ought to be the first part of chapter 2. And if you remember, the chapter and verse divisions are not inspired. Those were added in later. The, the chapter divisions were added in around the 13th century. Uh, the uh, verse divisions came in in the 16th century. Uh, with the uh the compilation of the Geneva Bible, and these are oftentimes uh, pl- there are oftentimes places that we find where the uh, chapter perhaps is broken at a specific point and I find with this an interesting uh thing if we were to take just a moment and focus in Jonah in chapter two begins his prayer as a result of what is taking place. Jonah begins his prayer after he has been swallowed up by the whale, and the Bible lets us know that Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, there's some controversy or discussion, I guess I could say, as to what exactly took place. Some people will say that Jonah was alive within the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. And some people will say, no, he actually died. And when Jesus says, as Jonah was in the belly of the well, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth. And so the idea is that just as Jesus spent his three days and three nights dead, he truly did die. There was no swoon. The swoon theory does not work. He truly did die. They also equate that Jonah's death, or Jonah was actually dead in the belly of the well. Either way... I have no issue. Can God bring someone back from the dead? Absolutely. Can God sustain someone in the belly of a whale? Absolutely. I have no issue with this. The supernatural does not bother me. What we do know of this is Jonah has been for three days and three nights stuck. Jonah's been swallowed, and now we find him... Uh, beginning to uh, uh, to start praying and understand that Jonah never denied God we don 't see Jonah ever denying God if anything, we see Jonah time and time again affirming his belief in God and affirming that God is real. We see this over and again, but point of fact, he acknowledges god 's authority and knowingly rebels that uh, against that authority and then Jonah comes along and he confesses God as the inspiration. He says, Jonah, he says, the word of the Lord came to me. He also confesses God as the chastiser, where he starts to understand that this uh, is is as a result of God's hand uh, coming upon him. But he also now, if we were to to take a look this morning, he refers to God as the merciful one. This is what we want to notice in this morning's uh, passage. Jonah knew uh, what God requested of him, Purposefully rebelled, put other people in harm, and then preferred death. If you remember last week when we were looking, he said he would, he told the sailors to throw him into the sea. All he had to do was obey God, but he would rather be thrown into the sea and killed than to obey. He still had no desire to go to Nineveh. And so Jonah finally, finally, all alone in dire straits, calls on God. Finally. We don't see any record of Jonah praying. We see a record of the word of the Lord coming to Jonah, but then he runs from it. Even when the pagan shipmaster comes to him in chapter one and says, Get up, what are you doing asleep? Call upon your God. We still have no record of Jonah actually getting up and calling on his God. We don't see Jonah turning to the Lord until he's stuck in the whale's belly. Interesting. Now, I want us to understand the mercy that is seen in this because so often we miss God's mercy in situations such as this. If we would care to admit it, I believe we would all agree that if God really gave to us what we deserve, none of us could remain standing. I want us to really understand this. Because I truly believe that there are some this morning, and maybe here, maybe not here, but I truly believe that there are some people who who, uh, profess the name of Christ who don't honestly believe they were that bad. This other person over here may have needed a little bit more saving than I did but I really wasn't that bad of a guy. I really wasn't that bad of a dad or that bad of a mom. And we think to ourselves, and we honestly believe we were pretty good. We just needed to add God to our life. No, 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 my friend. If we truly got what we deserved, not a one of us could remain on our feet. None of us. And if you think that you're a pretty good guy, why don't we see if we can broadcast your thoughts in just one 24-hour period? for the entire church to see what went through your mind just yesterday. I don't think any one of us will sign up for that. Here we have Jonah. He's getting what he deserves. But I want us to understand that if you look back here in verse 17, he says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I want you to note God's mercy in that sentence. Notice it. It's right at the beginning of verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared. Uh, don't, let, don't let us miss this part. In the midst of Jonah's run, God mercifully and timely intervenes to save Jonah from himself. Jonah is running full bore. He can't wait to get out of the, out of the uh, presence of God. He can't wait to get away from what God has called him to do. And he's going with everything he has, with all his vigor, with all his might. He is doing the best he can to escape what God would have him to do. And God intervenes. I don't know about you, but I would probably, if I was God, and I, see, I ask a guy, I need you to do this, and then he takes off running and I try to chase him down, I send a storm, and then finally he says, just throw me in the water, I'd rather die than obey. I'd probably be like, all right, well, fine, see you, be that way. Good luck swimming to shore, buddy. But what does God do? Mercifully intervenes. So often we see the chastising hand of God as such a negative thing. But my friend, understand something. God loves you enough to intervene when you're running from him. He loves you enough to chase you down, to seek you out. He loves you that much. That's mercy. Think of the amount of times that you and I have said no to God. I've never said no to God like Jonah did. Really? Jonah was asked to go to a place that he could have been filleted alive. He could have been killed, decapitated, or worse, had some of his uh, his fingers, his ears. Anything like that could have been taken from him. You and I are asked to go across the street, and we say no. You and I are asked to witness to our waitress, and we say no. You and I are asked to witness to our co-worker when there's no threat of danger. And we say no. So don't, don't sit there like a bunch of pious gas bags. Well, I didn't say no to God like you like June did. I've said no plenty of times. And he still seeks me out. That's mercy. Mercy. Often we find here a, a, a situation that is interesting to me. Oftentimes, God grants mercy as an answer to our prayers, but other times, he gives mercies that produce prayer. He gives a mercy that produces prayer. We don't see God giving his mercy at this stage because Jonah was praying. Like I said, we don't see any record that Jonah had actually prayed, and Lord, uh, deliver me from myself. We don't see that. What we do see is Jonah swallowed, and now he has to pray. God mercifully gave Jonah another chance. Do you realize that God is actually more concerned with your life than you are? Think about that for just a moment. God is more concerned with your life than you are, and he desires that you would do great and mighty things for him. Think of the, 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 the idea that the creator of the universe wants to use you He has given some of us children that we can raise in the image and likeness of Christ. He has entrusted us with these things. He has given to us uh, friends and neighbors, co-workers. Do you realize that your job, no matter how difficult your job may be, is actually a gift from God, and he desires you to go reach those co-workers, those bosses, those employees, those employers. He has a a job and a desire to use you in a
0: great way.
1: Are you letting him? That's a mercy from God. And he is more concerned with the way you you live your life and the way I live my life than I am. I go about my day foolishly, wasting time. He puts people in my path to witness to, and I don't take advantage of it. God is more concerned with your life than you are. Think about it. In Matthew chapter ten, Jesus says it this way: He says, "The very hairs of your head." No comments. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. It didn't take him long to number mine. For ye, uh, for ye, uh, fear ye not. Therefore, ye are of more value than many of the sparrows. Do you realize this morning that you are valued by God? You're valuable. We have a safe at our house, and perhaps you have a safe at your house as well, and we store valuables in our safe. And if I'm worried that there's certain documents that if our house caught on fire and I wanted them to be okay and to remain intact, we store those in the safe. If we have somebody breaks in, they're going to have to carry out a real heavy safe in order to get the good stuff. There's not a whole lot, so, you know, it doesn't take up much room in our safe. But we put things in there for a reason. They're valuable to us. We don't want to lose them. We take care of them. You know, God doesn't, Desire to lose anyone. You are precious and valuable to him. Note also the undesirable place that Jonah finds himself right now. Verse 17 said, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. When you got up this morning and was and, and you started looking for a place to spend your quiet time, did you look for the belly of a fish? Maybe a an empty tuna can? Think about it. Tight. Some of you all are claustrophobic, right? Afraid of those small spaces. Even now, while I'm talking about a small space, you're having a difficult time breathing. You're like, oh, don't do that, Pastor Andy. Imagine being cooped up in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Imagine that. It stunk. It's not where he wanted to be, but God knew that's where he needed to be. God knew that exactly where he needed to be was right there in that fish's stomach. Smelling that smell, experiencing that tightness, that compacted uh, that feeling of the of the muscles of the of the giant fish trying to digest him, the stomach acids of that fish or that well whatever it was trying to digest him. He knew that that's exactly where he needed to be. And God knows where you need to be. When we are taken to God's school of correction, it might be an uncomfortable place. It is rarely the amusement park. It's rare, he says, come on, we're going to Kennywood. I need to chastise you. No, it's usually, come on, I'm taking you to Brown Stadium. I'm just
0: kidding.
1: (laughs) We need to understand Correction is not meant to be enjoyable. It's meant to get our attention. Look at something else with this. Jonah finds himself completely cut off. And not only is God merciful in, uh, in the way he intervenes, he is also merciful in responding here he is completely cut off, no freedom to move, no freedom to run. He can't obey now. He's stuck. Look what he says in, in the first couple of verses of chapter 2. It says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord out of uh, Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice, for thou hadst cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all my billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Now I want us to notice just a few things with this. Jonah here refers to himself as as being in hell. Uh in and uh, this is the Hebrew Sheol which is um, their idea of what we refer to as hell. The Greeks called it Hades. It's an interesting thing. You know, I'm a word nerd, and uh, it's an interesting thing to, to see where we get these words. And the idea, if you, if you look at our English word hell, it's actually we're a Germanic speaking language. And in Germanic, uh, uh, in Germanic culture, you had uh, their, um, uh, their mythological deities. You had the um, you had the Thors, you had the Odins, and that's okay. Don't even stress a second about that. I love that sound. It's my favorite sound. Um lost well, where I was going. Thor. You're like, we came to hear about Jesus, not Thor, preacher. Well, let me under- help you understand where we get the words. So, uh, Loki had a daughter named Hel, H-E-L. Now, I understand Marvel Comics and Disney really kind of messed it all up. But let me give you the truth of the matter. He had a daughter named Hell. Loki was a real conniving trickster. Hell was worse. And she was banished to a barren wasteland. It was actually freezing, frigid, covered in ice wasteland. Nothing else around her. And the Germanic culture adopted a similar idea that the Greek culture did when they would say someone was going to Hades. You remember the, the ruler of the underworld was a, was a quote-unquote god by the name of Hades. Why was the location? Well, the location was called the underworld, and the idea was that you were being sent to the same place Hades was. And so the idea in Germanic culture was that you were going to be sent to the, uh, the same place that this lady by the name of Hell was. And this is how we ended up locating the, de- the designations and giving the locations those names. And so in, in Greek culture, you had the, the place of the dead was referred to as Hades, and we refer to it in our English word as hell. But it's not actually referring to the place, it's referring to the condition. It's referring to the situation the person finds themselves Now, Jonah is not saying that he is in hell, the location. But he has been thrown off. He is refused. He is sent for destruction. It is often translated as the grave, the place of rotting. And what Jonah sees in this Is he sees himself at being at the absolute lowest place possible. Death itself is not as bad as where he is. In other words, I'm worthless. I'm no longer of any value. Dead. I'm I'm sent here to rot, to decay. I am garbage. This is what Jonah's idea is and what his understanding is. There is no depth, though, my friend, because Jonah sees himself being at the, last, at the lowest place possible, but I want you to understand there is no depth to where you and I can sink that God's mercy cannot reach. Here he finds himself at the lowest place possible. He finds himself as refuse, disgust, garbage, trash, just, just ready to be burnt up and destroyed, and God's mercy still reaches him. That's a beautiful thing. And if it's not beautiful to you yet, you don't understand grace and mercy. Important to note, Jonah was not necessarily praying for his deliverance here, but actually praying that God, in spite of his situation, would hear him acknowledging God, See, so many fail in this. There are, are, we, we fail in turning to God. We only turn to him oftentimes in order to get something from him, to get relief from our difficulties, to get relief from our problems. Uh, some of the problems in life, though, understand this. Some of the problems in life come through no fault of our own, but there are still others that come because we have brought them upon ourselves. If you look back now to verse 2, you'll notice what he says. He says, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Are you in turmoil right now? Are you struggling? You find yourself in a dark place that you don't want to be? call out to him, he'll hear you, he'll respond, he'll let you know that he understands, he'll let you know that he is right there with you. Jonah recognizes that God not only heard, but even responded. What a comfort to know that God cares. You know, some have said this prayer was post deliverance, but I, I, I don't believe that. That's actually there's enough evidence to it. I, I don't believe Jonah was referring to God delivering him, but, it, but his knowledge that God forgives. This is what I believe Jonah is referring to. Can I let you know something, beloved? There are no such things as unanswered prayers for the believer, anyway. Because God, in his infinite wisdom, knows what is best, and sometimes no is what's best for his children. Ruth Harris Calkin writes this Lord, day after day I've thanked you for saying yes, but when have I genuinely thanked you for saying no? Yet I shudder to think of the possible smears, the cumulative blots on my life, had you not sufficiently wisely uh, been wise to say an unalterable no. So thank you for saying no. When my want list for things far exceeds my longing for you, when I asked for a stone foolishly certain I asked for bread, thank you for saying no. To my petulant just this time, Lord, thank you for saying no. To senseless excuses, selfish motives, dangerous diversions, thank you for saying no when the temptation that enticed me would have bound me beyond escape. Thank you for saying no when I asked you to leave me alone. Above all, thank you for saying no when in anguish I asked If I give you all else, may I keep this. Lord, my awe increases when I see the wisdom of your divine no. We need to learn to accept his no. Sometimes we think that God is not answering our prayer because we're not getting what we think we should be getting. He's not responding the way we think he should be responding. But understand, he knows all. He sees all. And in his view, he's giving you what is best. Now, not only do we see him mercifully responding and mercifully intervening, look with me at verse 8. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Not only is God's mercy seen in his rescuing Jonah from himself or in his hearing and answering Jonah, but God's mercy is also revealed in the deliverance of Jonah from the fish's belly. Jonah realizes something in his situation here. All who trust in worthless idols give up what mercy could be theirs. Note what is said in verse 8. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. You see, here's the understanding that is being offered to this. God offers mercy and grace to all who would call upon him. He offers it freely to anyone who would look to him for mercy, anyone who would look to him for grace. God is there with open arms, ready to receive. The offer is always there, always ready for you. Sadly, though, many people cling to other hope. False hopes. They cling to the idea that their goodness or their effort or their job or their family or whatever it may be. Maybe it's their knowledge or their, their experiences. These are all vain idols that lie and deceive. They make you feel like you're okay. They make you feel like you've got it under control. But the only hope that we can truly find, the only true hope is found in Jesus Christ. And Jonah recognized that salvation is of the Lord. It is not of any of these things. Our own ideas, our own uh, our own reasoning, our own desires. Or, well, I don't want to do it God's way. I want to do it this way. I'm still going to do it for God, but I'm going to do this instead of what he wants me to do. My friend, it doesn't work that way. We've got to understand anytime we cling To these false ideas, we are clinging to false idols. Doesn't work. Jonah had just witnessed the sailors clinging to false gods. Think about it. All the sailors were calling out to their gods. The shipmaster comes up and he says, hey, you call to your god as well in addition to. Jonah just witnessed these sailors and he realized even though the sailors made it home and he's in the belly of the whale, he knows where salvation comes from because he knows the one true God. (laughs) Think about it. Here he is being thrown into the sea to be swallowed by a big old fish when he should have been witnessing to the sailors and telling them about God you know what, just throw me overboard. He should have been telling them and showing them the one true God. The longer and the tighter, though, that we cling to these vain attempts, the more we forfeit what God is offering. He's offering mercy. He's offering grace. But when we hold tightly to the things that, we would rather have, we are saying no to his mercy. We're forfeiting it, giving it up. Don't need it, don't want it. Glad to not have it. Jonah sees this foolishness and he says in verse nine, he says, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Because he recognizes salvation is of the Lord. He recognizes the only source of salvation here. In John fourteen six, we see that Jesus said it this way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's Jesus' words. It, 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 I'm not trying to challenge the Buddhist, the Baha'i, the uh, the Muslim, the like, Jesus already did that. Jesus already made it very clear. Muhammad is not the way to God. Buddha is not the way to God. Krishna is not the way to God. Joseph Smith is not the way to God. Jesus Christ, his shed blood, and that alone is the only way. To God, the only way. Jonah knew that there was only one way of salvation, the one true God. God loves his creation. And God sent his son to willingly come and lay down his life for us. God's the only way of salvation. And he says, it's through my son. That's it. I've been asked before, well, what about the person that doesn't accept Jesus, but they accept God? You, you can't. It doesn't work that way. Actually, Jesus says, if you reject me, you've rejected the Father. Well, what about those people who are, you know, maybe they're just, they're stuck in the Old Testament. They haven't accepted the New Testament. He said, if you, ex- if you reject me, you have rejected the Father doesn't work. Jesus is not a way, but the way. I want you to notice this as well. The mercy and grace of our God was put on display. Understand mercy and grace. Mercy and grace are completely undeserved and unearned. Nothing that you or I could do could uh, merit this favor. Nothing that you or I could do, he offers it to you freely. There's nothing that you can do to earn mercy. Mercy is God's withholding the punishment that you rightly deserve. So what you did earn is the punishment. Mercy is when he says, I'm not going to give that to you now. Grace is when he gives to you something that you don't deserve. I'm going to give you something now. And here's how we find mercy and grace God withheld your punishment and placed it on His Son and made you His child. That's grace. You know, He could have just shown mercy and not punished you, but He went above and beyond that and He showed grace. And wants to make you his child, wants to indwell you with the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't that beautiful? Jonah was delivered. Did he deserve to be delivered? No. Did he deserve a second, fourth, fifth, eighteenth chance? No. But he got it. I want you to look at Romans chapter eight with me, or Romans chapter five, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 5, and we'll get ready to make our conclusion. I want you to notice in verse, look at verse 6. I'll just start there. Actually, go all the way back to verse 1. Look at verse 1. Therefore, being justified, that means made right. If you've ever worked in construction, you understand what it means to justify something. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his, this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, uh, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely would a righteous man, uh, for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth, that big word just means he put it on display in the most magnanimous way possible. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, so much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. (laughs) If that doesn't get you excited, you need to meet Jesus. Just plain and simple. I am saved from wrath because of Jesus. Saved. Made right. When God sees me because I am approaching him through his son, when God sees me, he doesn't see that filthy, rotten sinner that just happens to be, well, he's one of mine now, I guess. No, he sees me through the lens of his son. He says, that's right. My boy, justified, made right. Interesting, Jonah understood that before Christ even came. Realized there's nothing that you or I could do to earn this. So now what do we do with this? What do we do with the grace and the mercy of God? What do we do with what we have seen here in the book of Jonah? Well, understand a couple things. One, God does not want you to waste your life. He does not want you to waste it. He wants you to use it for him. Let me ask you this. When your eulogy is read, what will be said? When your eulogy is being read, will you be... Will people be told about your love of golf, your business mind, your financial acumen? He was such a good boss. He was such a hard worker. He loved to fish. She loved being in her garden. She was a good mom. Or will people look back and say, I saw Christ because of their life. How many people could say, I know God because of the way they lived? I have a relationship with my Savior because of how they acted. Will anyone say that? God doesn't want you to waste your life, He wants you to use it for His honor and His glory, not your hobbies and achievements. Did you use your life for eternal investment? Next, are you looking for what God can do for you? Or are you truly turning to God? Paul said it this way He said, No one seeks after God. They seek after the things that God can do for them, but no one truly seeks after God. That's what he was saying. And then last, are you forfeiting God's mercy? Realize that there's no other way of salvation under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The book of Jonah, I can see the gospel so clearly, so plainly. And chapter 2 puts a spotlight on the mercy and grace of our Lord. Have you experienced this mercy? Bible lets us know whoever calls upon the name of the Lord be saved. That doesn't mean that we just utter a prayer because, well, I'm supposed to say it this way and then I add it. No, 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 no. You turn to Him and nothing else. It's not a matter of making Him part of your life, it's giving Him your life. Give it all to Him. What the songwriter said I have decided follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Lord, we are grateful for you. Grateful for the way that you dote upon us and the way that you love us. Your mercy that is extended to us, your grace that is extended to us. We're so undeserving or it would not be mercy and grace. It would be reward. But thank you, Father, for loving us, pursuing us, intervening when we need it, saying no at times. Thank you for responding to us rightly the way you see fit. Thank you, Father, for delivering us and saving us. Father, if there be any here that do not know you as Savior, I pray that during this time of invitation that you would speak to their hearts, that they would give their heart and their life over to you. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen.
0: have been listening to Andy Lake Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church we pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family if you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message you can access us online at growinliberty.org email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road Vienna, Ohio 44473 If you would like to support and Liberty financially you may also do that at growinliberty.org Thank you so much for joining us today.